So thus far in Galatians, in this series, there has been a lot of explaining of the gospel, as you might have noticed. And that's been really important because knowing, right, what Jesus did to save us and truly believing that we receive him only by faith alone is a really big deal. But that said, now what we see in Galatians this morning is a sort of transition. Still, in the, in the rest of the book coming up, Paul will at times continue to, of course, explain the gospel like we're used to. But concerning this passage this morning, as you might have just heard in that scripture reading, what's unique here is that Paul transitions from primarily this logical explanation he's been doing to now here more of an emotional appealing. And, and to use a, a simple analogy to understand what I, what I mean by this, we all know that we all know what it's like when we talk to others, and especially when we talk to others about Jesus, those who do not know Christ, or those who are thinking about leaving Christ, we know that there's kind of two different ways that we can talk to others. First, we can, we can talk in more of a naturally explaining sort of way, right? Trying to reason and persuade them about Jesus. Meaning we can explain to them the gospel, what it means and why it's true. And in some ways, that's what Galatians mainly has been thus far. But then second, we all know, and we've probably experienced another way of talking to somebody about Jesus, especially those who are thinking about leaving Jesus or those who do not know Jesus. And that's speaking to them with more of a loving, emotional appeal. Right? And this is less just explanation, and it's more just like sitting down with someone and saying, look, I, I love you, please come to Jesus. You know, he's real, he really cares about you, and it's good for you, don't turn away from Jesus. And in basic, it's that that Paul is doing here in our passage this morning. He's, he's mainly been the authoritative apostle and teacher Paul so far, but now he, he turns to mainly becoming the, the loving pastor and friend Paul, urging them, appealing these Galatians to really believe this true message of Jesus. And specifically for the Galatians, if you remember, since they did at one time seem to believe this gospel, Paul is urging them to not turn away from Jesus and just go back to their old ways, which is the big application for us, and which is why, as you can see in the bulletin, I titled part of this message, I love you, don't turn back. Because that, that's essentially the Bible's message here to us this morning. And so that's what we're going to see together in our passage. And I know, hearing that, some of us may listen and now be tempted to think, okay, so this passage is about people who are leaving the faith or considering leaving the faith, and, and by God's grace, that's not me. And so this morning really doesn't apply to me. But let me just say from the outset, first, uh, that's simply not true because God's word always applies to us. But also, and more importantly, although you may not feel a pull away from Jesus now, which is good, by God's grace, still, this is an important place in the Bible to remember because here we see God's appeals and God's heart for you if you ever do get to the point of considering kind of leaving Jesus. And, and, I, and I want 
all of us, including myself, to hear that as we start here this morning. Because the truth is, what we see from Paul here warning in Galatians, this leaving of the true gospel of Jesus, happens to a lot of people. Right? I mean, we're sinners. Right? We live in a world that doesn't love Jesus. And perhaps above all, we don't struggle just against our sin, but the Bible's clear that there's a cosmic fight with unseen demons who, who hate us knowing and loving Jesus. And so all that said, at some point, many of us in this room may feel a similar pull, like we're seeing here in Galatians, to kind of just abandon the real Jesus. Maybe it's you right now. Maybe that's you right now. Or maybe it'll be you later this year or 30 years from now. Maybe it's in the future when a certain temptation comes and it just seems that it would be so much better than Jesus. Maybe it'll be when your marriage gets harder or, or when the kids finally leave the house or, or when the world makes it a little more difficult to really be a Christian or when your plans don't go the way you wished or when tragedy strikes or when you lose your job or it could be you even when things all of a sudden start going really well and you no longer feel a need for Jesus. The list could go on. But the point again is we live in sinful bodies in a broken, sinful world with a partly wicked spiritual environment around us. And a lot of it is urging us to just leave Jesus. It's no big deal. But that's why God in love has passages like this in his word. Because God is the one who ultimately keeps us. Let's be clear about that. We can't keep ourselves. But how he does so through his spirit is he uses passages like this to lovingly appeal to us to stay the wraith, to keep trusting the true message of Jesus, to keep loving and living for Jesus. Which brings us to an outline of how we will go through this passage together. So in one sense, there is a lot in these 13 verses, but very simply, when you break it down, we're going to see that there's essentially three appeals that Paul's using for the Galatians to stay with Jesus. Three appeals. And remember that through Paul, these are appeals that God also makes to us. So three appeals, and we're actually just going to reveal them as we go. But that said, let's then begin our first section together. And here we will see that first appeal. And we'll call this a gospel appeal. A gospel appeal. And for this, we're going to be in those verses 8 through 11. So, so now to understand this appeal, what we're going to do is we're going to first read through those verses, and then we're going to break down together verse by verse what the Bible is saying. So look down in your Bibles, Galatians 4, verses 8 through 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Notice there's a lot in there, but Paul is appealing to them by recounting a newer way here some of the very basic gospel truths that we've been seeing throughout Galatians. Right, and to see what I mean, look down again at that paragraph. In verse 8, Paul begins by saying that formerly, before they knew Jesus, they were enslaved. 
And it's interesting there that he adds that they were enslaved to those by nature that aren't gods, meaning before coming to Christ, everyone worships different things, but they aren't actually God. Which leads to verse 9 where he says, he starts by saying, thou they've come to know God, but then he says, or better yet, you're known by God, which is amazing. And yet now they're thinking of turning from that back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world and becoming slaves like that again. Which leads to verse 10, because as for what those elementary principles of the world are, we talked about it a lot last week, but we can see in verse 10 what Paul means by that phrase, because he says that that what they want to go back to is they just want to go back to observing days and months and seasons and years. Meaning they want to leave the true gospel and instead they want to make their lives and their religion even all about just kind of following the rules and what they do. Which finally in this section leads Paul to write verse 11 where you can kind of see his emotion. So all that said above, he now ends here by saying if they they do turn from Christ and the gospel and go back to just kind of following rules and making that their lives, he's afraid that he may have labored over them in vain. And that idea of laboring in vain or a recipient believing the gospel in vain actually shows up a handful of times in Paul's letters. It sounds strange to us probably, or especially if we have an overly simplistic idea of faith or how eternal security works. But but the truth is there, there is something in the Bible called laboring or believing the gospel of Jesus in vain. For example, hear this from Paul in another place in 1 Corinthians 15. He says to another church, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Meaning you stand in the gospel, and the gospel does save you, if you keep believing it. Because the the point is, if at one point you say you believed in Jesus, but then eventually don't, then it may show that your initial believing was in vain. It wasn't real. It's kind of what Jesus said would happen in his famous parable, the sower, with the gospel seed of the rocks and the thorns. It may seem like something genuine at first. You might say you really believe, but apparently it's not a genuine trusting of Jesus. And and so that's the paragraph, right? You're feeling it. Paul is urging them, don't let it be that all of my labor and all of your believing of Jesus ends up being in vain. Because he's saying, if if you turn back to just following the rules and making your religion and your life all about what you do, and you leave the true gospel for that, then you'll be turning from knowing God and even being known by God to weak and worthless and vain and enslaving just typical religion. And so that's the appeal here. And now for us, this is the same appeal that God makes to us, both now and in our futures, for why we should stick with Jesus. Right? And we're calling this a gospel appeal because in essence, that's what this appeal is. It's, it's remember the good news of Jesus. Remember that you aren't saved by what you do, but by grace alone. D- don't turn from that and go back to what isn't actually good news. But now to really feel the weight of this maybe a little bit more, let's take a minute now and break down what Paul says here even more specifically. So that's the overdue, overview, but to see how strongly Paul and how God through Paul is trying to make this for us, 
Let's specifically now notice a couple things of what makes the gospel so good here. And let's notice a couple things about what makes the opposite not so good. So first, as for what makes the gospel so good, just look down quickly at verse 8 again. Because there, Paul starts with the idea that formerly you were enslaved. And so as you can see, the idea is in Christ, you are no longer enslaved. Now there's freedom, which is a good part of the good news. And on this idea of freedom, as you might know, soon to come in our book of Galatians, this becomes a major theme because we have famous verses coming like, for freedom Christ has set you free. Or you were called to freedom, brothers. And so this idea of freedom is a huge idea in the Christian life and in the Bible. And what it means is that you are freely saved in Jesus Christ, freely loved and cared for God, and now free to live your life not chained to thinking that you need to obey rules or be good enough to have God love you and be on your side. And and so the point here is, why then go back to the bondage of making it all about you and your rule following? Which applies to each of us in this room. Whenever we're tempted to make our relationship with God based mainly on what we do instead of on Christ, So so freedom, that's the first good thing, but that's not it. Second, also in this section, you probably saw it, we have one of the most beautiful asides, if you will, in Scripture. And that's in verse 9, where Paul first says that in the gospel they've come to know God, and then, as a quick aside almost, he writes, or rather, to be known by God. And looking just at how that's written, it's fascinating because apparently Paul believes this so much for his fellow Christians that he writes that they know God and then quickly he's like, and in fact, God knows you. (laughs) And of course, after the last two weeks we've had together about being in God's family, that should make sense. But still, maybe that hits you a little harder this morning. Because in Christ, you don't just know God, but God intimately knows you. Right? It's it's a real two-way relationship. And a quick analogy would be like you not just knowing some famous celebrity you've always wanted to meet, but them really knowing you. Right? But with God, it's, it's infinitely greater than even that. And so that's why the gospel is so good here. But now quickly, also notice why the opposite of the gospel is so not good. And for this, we'll just be in verse 9. So they're thinking about turning from all that and going to rule following or making it about them. And first, that is enslaving, but that's not it. Also notice what Paul calls those elementary principles of the world. He says they're, quote, weak and worthless. And that's what's the opposite of the true gospel. Weak and worthless, ultimately, human, just basic ideas. Why, and those two adjectives are helpful for us because that's what following the world or what following just mere religion offers us. Because weak simply shows us that the basic human principles that so many people believe that your life just consists about what you do, those principles don't have the strength, the power, the ability to really give you peace, to save you, to actually provide what you're looking for. And then worthless just brings that home in a different way. That way of living is ultimately worthless, lacking in deep and lasting value. Right? And so all that said, in summary, the, the appeal here of this paragraph is clear. 
The gospel of salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus is the good news. It is what brings you and I freedom. It's what makes you and I have a relationship with God and be known by God. And so why go back? Why go back to the things that are weak and worthless in comparison? Why become enslaved? Focusing so much on what you do or being good enough or rule following. And yet, People do that all the time. But one more thing on this appeal before we move on. So so that's basically the appeal. But really, to apply this most specifically to us in this room, since since we really want to apply God's word as specifically as possible, let's all remember that the real temptation for these Galatians, and honestly, the temptation for probably most of us in this room, either now or later, isn't to totally leave Christ and become atheists or agnostics. Right, that happens, but in reality, it's rarer. Ra- rather, a lot of people who leave Jesus and the true gospel often do retain some sort of belief in God, and they even often keep calling themselves some sort of Christian. Right? Because remember, that's what Paul was dealing with here in Galatia, and that's what usually happens today, where over 70% of Americans will claim the title even Christian. Right? And so, becoming an atheist or agnostic isn't the primary temptation. Instead, the primary temptation here for them and for us is to leave this real gospel of Jesus and loving and living for Jesus and to essentially just kind of go back to making my life more about me and my morality, and just observing rules and trying to be a decent person. And guess what? So, so many people leave the true gospel of Jesus for that. And in fact, whole denominations and movements of so-called Christianity have left the gospel of Jesus for that. And so again, for most of us here, that's probably what we would be tempted to leave Jesus for at some point. It could be that we're tempted to leave Jesus and become people of no religious affiliation. That does happen. And if that's you in your heart right now, these appeals still apply to you. But the reality is, that's not the specific temptation we see in God's word. Instead, the temptation for these Galatians was to leave the gospel for a counterfeit. Right? It was, it was to leave the real Jesus for a fake Jesus, a fake kind of Christianity, a Jesus of their own liking that made it more about them. And again, that still happens today all the time. And so that's why we really need to stick to God's word as a church. And that's why for one last time in this section, for all of us in this room, if we're ever tempted to do that, let's just remember from this morning, that's a really bad decision. We know God. We're free and known, unconditionally loved by God in Christ alone. And so why go back to mere religion? Why turn back and all of a sudden, yeah, call yourself a Christian or someone who believes in God, but all the while leave the real gospel of Jesus? Or to sum up another way, one commentary that I was reading as I was preparing all this, he said on these verses, quote, Paul finds it incomprehensible that the Galatians would abandon such a great relationship with God to return to oppressive worship of idols. And yet many of them did. And yet many people still today do. And so again, 
whenever you and I are tempted to leave Christ, let's remember what we've been talking about. God is better. Jesus is better. The true gospel is better. Yes, sin in the world and demons may and will try to blind us to that. But really, Jesus is better than the weak and worthless things that the world has to offer. And he's better than the weak and worthless things that typical religion has to offer. So that's our first section, which leads us now to our second section and appeal. And for this, we're now going to continue on and be in verses 12 through 16. And here's what we might call an experience appeal, an experience appeal. Or perhaps a more simple way to say this would be a remember what it was like type of appeal. And that's because what we're going to see Paul do here now is he's going to urge the Galatians not to leave Jesus by reminding them of what they experienced in Christ, especially when they first believed. But that said, let's now just read all of verses 12 through 16. And then like last time, we're going to go back and break down what the Bible is saying. So look down at your Bibles, verses 12 through 16. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I, first, that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I have testified to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? So let's quickly go through those verses together. In verse 12, look down your Bibles. Paul starts by entreating them. So we see his emotion there. And he entreats them, quote, to become as I am which probably had this idea of becoming like him on this issue, like he came to them to share the gospel. And then as you heard from verses 12 at the end there through verse 14, Paul goes on to talk about when he first did go to Galatia and share the gospel. Apparently it was some bodily ailment, something going wrong with Paul, which was the reason he first went to Galatia. And back then, as you might know from some of the stories in the gospels, back then when somebody had a bodily ailment and came to you, often treated that, people treated that person with scorn, But Paul's point is that the Galatians didn't do that. Instead, although his ailment was a trial to them, they received him with such love, like they receive an angel or even Jesus himself. And so implied there is that they really believed the message that Paul brought about Jesus, which then leads to verse 15. And now here Paul takes all that, and then he turns and asks them, what then has become of the blessing you felt? And he backs that up by saying that they would have gouged out their very eyes for him, which was an idiom back then, which people used to say essentially that I'd do anything for a friend. It's like how we say, I'd die for you. Which finally in this section leads to that verse 16. And that's where Paul gets to the heart, I think, of what he thinks is going on. Because there he asks, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? And so that's a summary of this section. And perhaps hearing all that, you're now seeing why we're calling this an an experience appeal or a remember what it was like type of appeal. Because that's the Bible's main point here. When the Galatians first believed, they were so loving, so kind, even in trials. And in verse 15, it's clear that they even felt God's blessing. And yet, they're now turning all of that. And for us, this idea of remembering our experience in Christ is also a way that God appeals to us to stay in the true gospel. 
Because for all of us here who do trust in Jesus, there was an initial reason or reasons we did so, and there was an initial experience we felt. Right? We felt the blessing of being forgiven. We, we felt the love of God. We, we felt the security of being known as God's child. We felt the hope of the glory to come. We perhaps and hopefully felt the love of God's church. Right? And probably a lot more. And so this section first is simply urging us that if therefore you are ever tempted again to leave Christ for mere religion or for secularism or for just nominal, quote-unquote, Christianity, remember those gospel-centered feelings that you experienced. Remember what you felt. Remember what it was like. Remember what God did in your heart. So that's the main takeaway from this section. But that said, I also think there's another huge takeaway from what the Bible says here. Because also, what's perhaps the most interesting from this section is what Paul said there in that final verse 16. Because remember, there, after talking about all these experiences and blessings they felt and love, he ends by asking this piercing question. He asks, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? And that's a fascinating question. Because think about it. What's assumed there by Paul isn't just that he's telling the truth, though he is, but also it's kind of implied that these Galatians themselves still kind of know the truth, but now they don't like it. They're making Paul their enemy because he's telling the truth. And and I bring that up because that really is, is what honestly happens all the time when people consider leaving Christ. And in the future, it may be applicable to you and I if we're ever thinking about leaving Christ. Because think about how this works. So many people do abandon Jesus. Our people in their lives hear about Jesus, and at some point in their lives, many of them seemingly embrace Jesus or, or raise a hand or, or pray a prayer. But in time, often they can leave Jesus right, for typical religion or secularism or just nominal in name Christianity. It happens all the time. But what often is a root reason that that happens? Well, well, to boil it down, often it's simply because as as people then in time go on in their lives, they start to not really like a part of the truth. And, And I know, perhaps that sounds simplistic or reductionistic or just maybe even crazy after seeing how good the good news is in our last section, and yet that's often the case. Because think about it, often what happens is that people go through a stage where they kind of still believe most of the things about Jesus in their minds, but then in their hearts, they start to not like something that the Bible says or that Jesus says, for whatever reason. For example, they start to not like that Jesus is clear that he's the only way. Or they start to not like certain things that in love, Jesus and his apostles say to us about things like our sexuality. Or they start to not like how much Christianity is about being weak and trusting God and how the Bible describes us as sinful or anything else. And so there's often this this stage, which is where I think these Galatians were, where people kind of still know that it's true, the things that they used to believe, but they don't like it. And so for us, we need to watch out for that. Because that's often what's behind so many people turning from Jesus and the true gospel to a fake gospel or secularism. It's often that they just kind of started not liking something the Bible says. And so they choose instead to like something and choose something that's more palatable to them. A different Jesus, something they like more. 
But finally on that, though, to be a little straightforward, I hope we all see that overall, that's kind of just a silly reason or shallow reason to leave Jesus. I hope you remember that because on the one hand, hear me out, we can and we should ask and be honest about any questions and concerns we might have. We can go to the Bible and God does care about the questions and concerns we have. But also, on the other hand, the truth is, if God is real and loving and massive and wiser than us, which he is, right? And if we ourselves are broken and small and sinful, which we are, then then wouldn't God say things in his word that we might not be able to fully grasp and that we might not like? (laughs) I I mean, doesn't it make sense that God says things in his word that we might not fully grasp and that we might struggle with. And so honestly, not liking something in the Bible or that Jesus says is no reason to leave Jesus. Instead, it's in those times we remember, as we've seen so far this morning, that although we may have questions, the gospel is still the best news in the world and we should remember the experience we felt of God's blessing even when we had questions, yet we could trust in Jesus. Which finally leads us to our third and final section and appeal. And for this, we're going to be now in verses 17 through 20. And we're going to call this appeal now a love appeal. A love appeal. Meaning, basically, I love you and I want what's best for you type of appeal. And now for this, we're actually going to read these verses in two quick stages because what Paul's going to do here, as you're going to see, is he's first going to talk about how those preaching a different gospel don't really love the Galatians. And then second, he's going to show how he actually does love them. He's going to compare himself to them. So first, as for the false teacher's lack of love, let's look at just verse 17. So look down your Bibles, verse 17. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, so that you may make much of them. So so Paul says two things about these false teachers here. First, they make much of you, but they do it for no good purpose. Meaning they don't have good intentions as they build you up. And then second, he says they want to shut you out, most likely meaning shut you out of the gospel or fellowship with Paul. But why? So that you can make much of them. In other words, he's essentially saying in this verse, They're using you. (laughs) Yes, they're building you up. But don't you see that they don't really love you? They don't want what's best for you. They're using you. That then leads to how Paul, in contrast, does love them and does really want their good. And remember, this applies to us and how God does love us and want what's best for us. And now for this, look down at verses 18 through 20. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So so notice three quick ways that Paul does love them. And hear this, these are ways that God does love you. First, in verse 18, Paul writes that it is good to be made much of, to be built up, but only for a good purpose. And we know that's always true of real love because to truly encourage someone and build them up is a good thing as long as they're not doing it to take advantage of you. 
as long as, for, as long as it's for a truly good purpose. And in the gospel of Jesus, it is for a good purpose. My God builds us up for his glory, yes, but also it's for our good. And then second, in verse 19, Paul even gets more emotional in showing his love. Because there, he used the analogy of loving them like his little children. And what does he want for them as his children? Well, for Christ to be formed in them. And in fact, he's in real anguish for that to happen. And I know that might sound a little strange to us, especially as Paul is interestingly mixing analogies there between children and pregnancy, because he's in pregnancy pains while they're pregnant with Christ being formed in them. So it is a little bit confusing. But overall, we get his point. Because the idea is he really believes and knows that them knowing Christ and having Christ be formed in them is what's best for them. And like a father with his little children, man, does he want what's best for them. And so he's really showing his love for them there. And again, that's what God feels for us too. I hope you hear that. Because in our lives, we can be formed to typical religion or formed to the world or we can be people who, above all, have Christ so define us and grow in us, if you will, that we look more like him, which is the most beautiful and loving thing and the thing we were made for. And yet, so often, people choose typical religion or nominal Christianity over that. They choose just the goal of being a decent person, which leads to the third and final way Paul shows his love, and that's in verse 20. And there he says he wants to be with them and change his tone because he's really perplexed about them. On the one hand, we might say that that verse doesn't seem to show love, but doesn't it? Be- because do you know what really is the opposite of love? You've probably heard this. It isn't hate per se, because when you love someone, you often simultaneously feel hate for what they're going through when they're suffering or when they're making hurtful choices. Instead, the opposite of love is indifference. Love is caring. And so the opposite is not caring. And so Paul towards these Galatians and God toward us, yes, sometimes is firm and perplexed, but it's because he wants what's best for them. Because he actually cares about them as God cares about us. And so that's why we're calling this section a love appeal. Or I really want what's best for you appeal. Because the reality is, like Paul, we need to know that God wants what's best for us. And that's knowing and trusting his son Jesus in the gospel now and forever. And yet, when we begin to turn from that, either again, typical religion, secularism, nominal Christianity, we're hurting ourselves. And as we can see, that makes Paul feel anguish, and that makes God, in a sense, feel anguish for us. And so again, if and when the time comes, and we're repeating ourselves, but the Bible's saying, if that time comes where you're ever tempted to leave Jesus, let's remember this love appeal. Yes, something else at that point may seem to be more attractive than Christ. Like this false teaching seemed to be for the Galatians, or like some sinful temptation or ideology might seem more attractive to us in the future. But remember, first, usually that thing doesn't really care about you. And then second, remember, always choosing that instead of Jesus isn't for your good. Instead, we as human beings made in God's image, we were made ultimately to have Christ formed in us. We were made to grow and look more like Jesus. 
And so when we now or in the future choose worldly pleasure or just typical religion or just nominal Christianity over that, God essentially appeals to us, don't do it. Come back. I love you and I want what's best for you. That's our passage, church. I know it's a different sort of passage, but in summary, Paul here is an example of God's heart for us. Paul sees these Galatians leaving the true gospel for a false gospel. And so he lovingly appeals to them, number one, with the goodness of the gospel, with number two, their past experience, and finally, with number three, with love, with trying to tell them what's really best for them, what God wants for them. And so, brothers and sisters, with all that said, now that we've spent a little over 30 minutes seeing all that together from in his word. Now one last time, I just encourage all of us to remember what we talked about briefly to start here this morning. And that's again how although we may not feel the pull to leave Christ right now for that typical me-based religion or for nominal Christianity, for each of us still, that time may come. It really might. It may not, but it might. And to show this, just, just take three different verses as we're coming to a close from Peter, John, and Paul to prove what we're all up against. First, concerning the Apostle Peter, listen to what Peter says about the demonic warfare around us. This is 1 Peter 5, 8. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And then second, concerning John, listen to what the Apostle John says about just the world itself, 1 John 2, 16. For all that's in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And finally, third, listen to what Paul says elsewhere, just about how sinful we are, even as Christians. He says in Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am. And so from Peter, John, and Paul, we're wretched sinners in an enticing sinful world and we have demons ready to devour us and trying to pull us away from Christ. And therefore, that said, this temptation to leave Jesus in the true gospel for secularism or typical religion or nominal Christianity may come. As we're about to all sing in a second, we really all are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But the good news is God loves his people and God is gracious. And again, remember, he's the one who ultimately saves his people and who ultimately keeps his people. He keeps us believing. He keeps us trusting and treasuring Jesus. And how he does so is through his Holy Spirit applying his word from passages like this. And so one last time, when you feel that pull, just remember God's good news, Jesus' gospel is truly better than anything in the world. And remember the love and peace and hope that you feel in Christ. And finally, remember God loves you and he cares for you and he wants what's best for you. And for you and for me and for everyone, what's best for us is truly believing this gospel of Jesus by faith alone. It's loving Jesus and it's not just knowing God but it's being known by God.